listening to The Portable Foodie. My name is Paris. I live in Devon in the UK with my husband of many years. I'm not a chef or even a particularly good cook, but food and eating is my passion. And I will see you at Dart's Farm at 6 o'clock. Yeah, you alright because you got the blue cheese and the chutney? Blue cheese and the chutney? Alright, we're all happy now. Yay! Have a good day! Right, better get moving. France. Please excuse the noises outside as some cavemen appear to be tearing up the street with no thought for humanity. In the areas of Britain bordering the English Channel, there is a long and sometimes painful tradition of booze cruising to France. At least that was the case in years past. Now, with the opening of all European borders, the hardcore days are mostly long gone. No more the bleary-eyed hordes of fantastically ill-prepared, boarding tired Roro ferries turning around against the clock. No more returning overladen and heavily under the influence dragging a bizarre assortment of trolleys, bags and protesting children pressed reluctantly into service. No more schlepping through windy supermarché car parks. No more return journeys with stifled yawns and alternate turns taken to stay with a mound of cheap Canterbrow beer and boxed wine while others grab some more duty-free fags or take one last bath in a urinal. Time was of the essence. If you really pushed it hard, you could stock up and return to the ferry during the 90-minute turnaround. Those of a more leisured approach took the four- or eight-hour trip, four hours if you could stomach the lunch portside after the trip, and eight hours if you couldn't stomach the lunch and required just long enough to recover to the point where you could venture back on board, only to suffer similarly badly on the return journey. We went as foot passengers, taking some large, cheap holdalls to carry our treasure home in, not realising that we would be unable to carry them back even half full. It was my first time abroad, and I was utterly entranced by the completely different foods on offer. It wasn't just the brands and selection, but also the size and packaging. Cereals sold without boxes, giant bags of biscuits, and pasta shapes unknown at home. Meats weren't refrigerated in clear plastic bags. They were cured and sold next to the vegetables, when I thought all meat was sold alongside the cheese. I made other boozy trips with friends, in an assortment of extravagantly clapped-out vehicles. We marvelled at the caps on stubby bottles of French lager that you could easily twist off without a bottle opener. The real connoisseurs amongst us would select a few nasty bottles of really cheap wine and then retire to the car park for a quick taste test before returning again to the supermarché Brazilian bottles of Sauvignon Blanc. Ah, halcyon days. I'll get to the food in a minute. I have a melancholic relationship with ferries, having moved to live between England and Ireland more than once. They are, for me, a poignant reminder of times of considerable change in my life. A seagoing Hotel X, if you like. Packed lunches, thermos-tainted tea, cigarette smoke, shuddering, rattling fixtures, and drunken Irish farmers. Everything too expensive or for over-18s only. More than once I blew every scrap of holiday money I possessed on some idiotic travel clock or sunglasses from the duty-free shop. These days, however, things is better. 
Booze cruising is still going, but these days the disembarking hordes tend not to resemble the D-Day landings. Carl and I go three to four times a year, but turn it into a real foodie opportunity, as well as stocking up on wine and food. For us, the journey has become somewhat of a ritual. We go to the exact same places in the same routine, and it's really joyful. And it all starts with pate. I'm going to put a few of the livers in, just fit into separate loaves. Um, I prefer to um, let my chicken livers uh, sit, certainly for at least four hours, sometimes overnight. Okay, in so some in my milk. food processor, I have got my sauteed livers. Uh, I've got some of the residual butter that's sort of gone brown from being in the pan. So added to that, I've got some mustard powder, I've got some thyme from the garden, uh, I've got four big fat chunky cloves of garlic, too quickly. Uh, I've also got about half a teaspoon of mace. Right, that's the livers blended. You see, we always take a picnic of homemade pate, those expensive date and walnut crackers that are really hard to find, some cured ham, some chorizo, a large slab of Devon blue, some camembert, Burt's crisps, balsamic onion chutney, grapes, some wasabi peas, oh, and baguette. You've got to have baguette. We're both on diets at the moment, so portion control is a big consideration. At least until we have drunk enough to throw the preposterous idea out the window. Hey, yeah. Can you follow our copies, Rance Link One? No Thank worries. you. Good evening. Carl and I opt for a reclining seat rather than a cabin on the overnight Thank crossing. You. Mostly because we are cheap bastards. And the cabins are oh, the cabins. Well, they aren't really great places to be. If you go for the cheapest option, you'll feel like some sort of preserved lab specimen, and anything with a window or a television is way out of our price bracket. Okay. Luckily, unlike the ferries of my childhood, the ones that plied the Irish Sea, all lights blazing and fruit machines chattering, Brittany ferries have a more quiet nighttime with reduced levels of lighting. To survive an overnight ferry crossing, you have to learn from the regulars. Don't even bother trying to sleep in a reclining seat. Waste of time. Bring a sleeping bag and get on the boat fast to bag the best bench seats or quiet corner. It's going to be a bit windy. A bit windy. Yeah. 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 He's now over water. Ah, uh, this is a cyclist got on without getting too wet. Bonsoir. As the ship begins to make way, we have a quick recce around the boat to find the best corner to base ourselves. 
if this secret place under the stairs is gone, there is a little-known reading lounge on another floor. Failing that, there is always the space between the seats, or, in extremis, and as has been the case before, Le Petit Mousse's children's soft play area. Carl will begin to lay out the picnic on the floor, on a red gingham tabletop we bring for the purpose. I go to the bar for two glasses of wine. Not for the wine, which we'll have already bought with us, but for the glasses we'll need to drink it out of. As the ship enters the roads, the motion becomes more pronounced, and with the wine, cheese and pâté, it's soporific enough to bring you to sleep. So we crawl into our sleeping bags, face each other, close eyes, and tune into the sounds of the ship. Except not tonight. Tonight I am in a bit of a state. I have a leg and one arse cheek full of medication, and Carl is considerably more shattered than usual after a particularly hard day at the office. We decide that the two coachloads of French schoolchildren also noisily boarding the ferry are the final straw, and we inquire about a cabin. Um, can we have a two-berth inside? No, no two-berth oh, inside cabin no. left. I've only left a couple more cabins. <laughs> That's going to be expensive. Outside, yeah. four-berth cabin with television and coffee to check in the team facilities for £65. Oh. Minus the price you paid for the reclining seat if you're reclining. Go on, why not? Go on, have yeah, coffee as well. I always used to envy the couples coming down from their cabins as the boat docked. They looked refreshed and excited, ready for the day and smelling of fresh soap. I, in contrast, looked dishevelled, tired, almost to the point of tears, with a headache and clothes that appeared to have been thrown out and then dug up. I can confirm sleeping in a cabin feels much better than even I thought it would. Breakfast on board is popular, as almost everyone has a journey to make on the other side. And this is part of the reason we skip it. And let's not forget the diet. There's three kids lying on the floor in there. The two sinks are full of vomit and there's vomit all over the floor. And he says, Look, mate, where are you? Hi. Turn left and you'll join a vast convoy of bad-tempered, nervous car and lorry drivers, long-distance cyclists, motorbikes, motorhomes and other assorted charabank, all in a big hurry to be somewhere else, all running on takeaway coffee and minimum sleep. Not us. Douglas Adams once wrote that never in all the world has the phrase as pretty as an airport come about. Hey, 
France go left, we go, we go right. Clearly, Douglas didn't travel by cross-channel ferry. I have been in some hell holes in my time, but no other place on the planet can ever be so benighted, so bleak, intemperate and hopeless as a ferry port. Joyless and short-tempered, and that's just the service. From Waterford or Ringerskiddy in Ireland to Plymouth and Folkestone in the UK, a whole town of Hotel X just waiting for you. But not Roscoff. Roscoff is joy. More a village than a town. A little harbour of fishing boats and a few restaurants. Follow the coast around and you'll find endless secret little beaches and coves, beautiful gardens and fields of onions, artichoke and asparagus. But putting aside the diet for once, we're off for breakfast. With Petit Déjeuner out of the way, it's time to hit the street markets in nearby Morlaix. weather is terrible today. Gritty, miserable driving rain, and it's a real shame. Like any market in Europe, the French are not immune to the charms of cheap underwear built for comfort rather than speed, in tones ranging from peach to flesh. But here's where the similarity stops. French markets have an almost visceral quality, a conscious putting aside of health and safety rules, a removal of cling film and polystyrene, rubber gloves, glass counters, and best before dates. It is as if any barrier between the customer and the food was somehow rude, vulgar, indicative of suspicion, as if the product had something somehow to hide. Instead, there is guts and glistening blood, rich smells, expansive displays, and a real pride in the product. Behind me, you can hear a guy shucking scallops by the hundred from a still-dripping net bag. It makes perfect sense bringing them directly from the boat and working on the prep as required. They're almost, they've been bought almost as fast as he can shuck them. We take our break in the usual corner cafe to escape another downpour and indulge in a hot, thick, petit cafe au lait. Situated right at the centre of the square, it is a fantastic place to watch the ebb and flow of the market. As a really hard-working fishmonger opposite, constantly rearranging his stall after each purchase removes an item. There is a huge amount of shellfish, oysters in four sizes, abalone, whelks, scallops in four sizes, cockles and clams, fresh spider and mud crab, and that's just a shellfish I can identify. Sadly, and this has to be said, some of the whole fish are clearly very undersized, and in the UK just wouldn't be here.
We'd already selected a lot of our wine from online carves and warehouses, so we knew pretty much what we needed. This was not to be any great wine adventure. That's coming up in July. So we also toured Super U in Saint-Pont-de-Lyon for supplies of Présidente butter, lardon, fleur de sel, and incredibly pungent Vacheron cheese. Our favourite restaurant in Saint-Pont-de-Lyon was inexplicably closed for lunch. This is the place where we, yet again, almost always choose the same meal. For me, a buckwheat crepe made with Roscoff's own two favourite delicacies, dark glistening confit d'oignon and artichoke. Added to that is the delicious smoked saucisson and some creme fraiche. It is a thing of absolute beauty. With it, I'll have a pichet of vin de Maison Rouge, which arrives in a little pottery jug. Carl's crepe is smoked local ham with cheese, seaweed and a barely warmed egg yolk topping it. Whenever found, he enthusiastically chooses an obscure brand of local cola called Brige, not found anywhere else in the known universe. Today, everywhere appears to be closed in Saint-Paul-de-Lyon. This happens a lot in France. If something good is happening elsewhere, the locals all seem to decamp en masse, leaving behind a ghost town. It must appease their revolutionary roots, as it ensures nobody unfairly benefits from a sudden influx of otherwise missed trade. So we, now being short of time, head back to Roscoff and T. Pierre, the local auberge and purveyor of the best homemade chips Carl has ever eaten. On the way, we park our car for the final time, grab a shared suitcase and head back to the cafe. The sound you're now hearing is Carl's pull-along weekend bag. Small, black, made by Samsonite and without question, the loudest suitcase ever made. TPA caters to everyone. From holidaymakers waiting for the ferry, they'll be by the window or sitting outside, to local shopkeepers and fishermen, they'll be seated at the bar in the corner with a demi-beer or a minute but elegantly formed glass of red wine. The sort of thing you give to a child, though if it's early enough in the day, the pastis will rule. Drawn from the optic of a monstrously sized blue bottle and drunk without any ice, in this simple glass, accompanied by a small jug of water. Yes, sir. Small. Small. croc, commercial vet fruits. A grand beer. Beer grand. Carl speaks in reverential tones of the croque-monsieur at Tipierre. This is a simple toasted cheese and ham sandwich, though sort of inside out. You have to see one to understand. This is French soul food, eaten by all, from the cradle to the grave. I normally go for their rich, lusty French onion soup, with fat, heavy croutons filling the bowl. But it's not available today. So I join him in the simple delights of croque-monsieur, une salade de vec frites. That's wrong. Um, never mind. It's simple fare, because with diets in mind, we're saving our appetites for tonight. We head to the hotel to check in, chill out, and shower. Jesus. We always go local. 
It just isn't possible to plug into a country's culture by staying behind the neck curtains of a Hilton or an identikit Ibis. After all, who wants the reassurance of that bland, certain standard? Check out TripAdvisor for the required reassurance and go local. Often they try harder. We stay at the Hotel des Arts La Renaissance, a quirky but luxurious family-owned hotel full of photographic prints, a blazing log fire, and wallpaper chosen by someone with admirable single-minded confidence. We have a small but perfect supply of snacks and some wine to see us through a gentle afternoon spent dozing. Carl happily watches half an hour of a well-known film, dubbed into French. He can't really understand it, but his mind just skips along with it and he is happy. I read for a bit and then play with the shower, then the wardrobe, and then lament the loss of a bidet in modern French hotels. If nothing else, they made a lovely water feature if turned on high enough. It's 7pm and we head out for tonight's main event. Usually this is presaged by a quick drinky in the local, such as Shea Janie. But we hit the vino a little hard earlier, so it's time to sober up a little. There are a fair few restaurants in Roscoff, and my advice is to follow the crowd. Where are the locals eating? La Sokoff is always full, or nearly so. To my eternal shame, I've eaten the same meal on my last four visits to La Sokoff. I can't help it. I try not to. I really do. But the menu seduces me. I always choose their simple dish of tartare de boeuf. It's so good, and the match to the roughish house red is perfection. Well, I'm not going to have the same tonight. What? I'm not going to have. You the same. always have tartare. I said earlier I'd have a duck. Yeah, and I'm thinking of having a duck. But you said that before that you would have this or you'd have that. I'll oh, no, yeah, at least work my way through the menu each time I come here. You have it. The only thing we've I know, not I've, done. I do genuinely feel bad about it, but it's just this sort of. Almost, I mean, it's, it's like some sort of religious experience. It's, it's, the only thing we've not done is the food in there. And we're going to do that with some we'll keep that. We'll keep that, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I've had the duck, I've had the fish, I've had the steak. I haven't had the topic of eating raw, even though it's, it's cured. Raw. I know it's cured, but I just don't fancy it. I'm sorry, but... It's, it's a profound But you only have Dame Lange, that's all you've ever had each yeah. time you come. Yeah. They're the same fucking desserts. So you can't talk. No, I don't like pears. Oh no, I've had the creme brulee once as well, actually. And no, but you don't like pears. We had Dame Blanche, you've got bloody pears. No, but there's that. Um, The La Marmite du Pêcheur sounds lovely. Fisherman's custom. Very spicy. Fisher box sassy thing. Um, I think three to Aricot. Les deux? Okay, three to Aricot. Oui. Pour moi, tata de bœuf. Like, uh, de maison, s'il vous plaît. Pablon? 50 aussi? 50? Oui, oui. 
And for those the look like a water? Oh uh, we get half of them. It's back home time, and I don't like these day ferries. They leave you somehow discombobulated. Travelling during the daytime seems somehow wasteful, and it lacks the magic of the nighttime ferry. Everyone behaves and sits upright. It's a journey of only six and a half hours during the day, and the question on everyone's mind is what to do next. Please. 19. Could, could you put this document on oh, the yes. roll, please? We are the third car on, and right at the main door, so should be first off. This is Brittany Ferry's flagship, the Pontevin, and a lovely ship, big enough that nobody should feel crowded in. There's a fair chop going on outside, which we welcome. You see, there is only one thing that will make French schoolchildren compliant, and that's seasickness. As soon as we cross the bar and hit the open sea, the screaming, laughing and racing up and down stops. The mob takeover of the seating area ceases, and is replaced by quiet, green-faced teenagers laying on the floor outside the laboratoire, praying for a quiet death. <coughs> So we came home with a warm, happy feeling that only a nice evening out at a favourite restaurant with a handsome man and a car full of wine and food can bring. We stopped off at Noli's to drop off some methyl traditionnel and made our way home to unpack and cutch up on the sofa. But what to eat? With diet in mind, we kept it simple. Carl had a peanut butter sandwich and I had some leftover scraps of cheese and crackers. Then I had half a glass of leftover wine, and Carl joined me with a whole glass. Then I grabbed some more cheese, biscuits and chutney, and Carl joined in. Then we both went foraging for more wine whilst Carl grabbed some crisps. You've been listening to The Portable Foodie. If you've enjoyed this, do my ego a favour. Tell a couple of people and subscribe to the podcast. Mm-hmm.